Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. I love sharing Torah classes, and thank you for listening to this episode. Feel free to follow and to share with others so they too can enjoy the Torah classes on this podcast. Now, on to the episode. Let's get started. <clears throat> Today's daf from Masechus Gitin is Lamed Vav. We're starting at the two dots towards the top of Lamed Vav Amud Aleph. <coughs> About uh, eleven lines down the page. Eleven lines down Lamed Vav Amud Aleph. Thirty-six. So we're starting the two dots. We're going to have three parts in today's daf. The first part, we're going to understand what was this takana in the Mishnah that the witnesses should sign and they get because of tikana olam. We'll have two ways of explaining this, like Rabbi Lazar and like Rabbi Meir. Then we'll get into the discussion of prusbal. Very interesting. We're going to have two ways of explaining exactly how Hillel was allowed to make this concept of a prusbal that essentially overrides Shemitah of uh, monies. At the end of the sugya today, we'll tie in a discussion, a related discussion about this concept of uh, olven, elavin, this lashon of. Uh, we'll see. It means this chutzpah, uh, audacity. Let's see. So we're holding at the two dots towards the top of Lamed Vav Mudal. We said that in the Mishnah we said one of the things that Hill, uh, sorry, that Rabbi established was that the witnesses should sign in the get because of tikuna olam. Because it benefits the world. There's some overall benefits. The Gemara doesn't understand first, what do you mean because of tikuna olam? That implies this is a, rab- a rabbinic enactment. Who? This is Dairaisa. means we're going to show from a Pasuk in Yermia in a moment that actually this pus- this idea of uh, the Edim signing in it is actually Dairaisa. The Chsiv, as the Pasuk says in Yermia, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Yermia to purchase property before the exile, the Babylonian exile, to show that the Jews are going to come back. The Pasuk says, He should write in the Sefer, in the uh, document that you'll have to own the property, and sign in it. So you see clearly, signing is actually from Yermia. How can you say that this was a rabbinic enactment that was established by the rabbis? It seems like it was earlier. The first Teretz says that our Mishnah follows the opinion of Rabbi Lazar. To Amr, who says, Edim is Irakarti. So says Rabbah, when we say that Edim are only signed inside are signed inside of it because of Tikana Olam, that's because it follows the opinion of Rabbalazar, which we learned earlier many times in the Masach that we'll learn later. Also, the Edim that are necessary for the effectivity of the get are the Edim Isira, meaning the ones that witness the transaction between the man and the woman. Those are the ones that are integral for the uh, for validity of the get. So therefore, you don't even need witnesses signing in and on a Dairaisa level. And the Pasuk in Yermia was just giving good advice. What was the good advice? So Tzikinu Rabban and Edei Chasim, the rabbis established that there should also be witnesses who sign inside of it because of Tikkuna Olam. Well, what's the, what's the importance of that? Because either the witnesses who see the transaction could pass away, and then you have nobody to verify this get, and the husband 
protest the validity of it and nobody can validate it. Inami, alternatively, maybe the witnesses who see the transaction, which make the get effective, they travel overseas, they travel away from town. So in order that there's people around who can validate it, it's a good idea to have witnesses signed in it. That's what Hashem was telling Yermia, and that's why Yermia was having it signed. Just because it was a good idea, but because because it's not actually necessary, therefore it's tikkun olam, as the Mishnah says. That's Rabbah, and our Mishnah follows Rabbi Lazar's opinion. Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Meir. You can even say that our Mishnah conforms with the opinion of Rabbi Meir, who says that the Eide Chasim are Dairaisa. You actually need them on a Dairaisa level. So what's the Tikkun Olam then? The rabbis established that the witnesses should clearly write their names in the documents because of Tikkun Olam, in the Gitin because of Tikkun Olam, which we're about to show it means like this. Initially, <clears throat> you always needed witnesses signed in it to make it get effective, but initially they would just write a vague terminology to symbolize the fact that there were witnesses signed inside of it. The rabbis established they have to be more specific, write their names specifically. That was the Tikkun Olam. As the Brisa illustrates, Barishayna originally Hayakosev. The witnesses would only write in the get, Ani Ploini Chasamti Aid. I am Ploini and I've signed as a witness. But they wouldn't uh, elucidate on their names. They would just write in general, I'm Ploini and I signed as a witness. Now, this would be enough to fulfill the Doraisa requirement of Ere Chasim, according to Reb Meir. But then the problem was like this. If for some reason this get need to, needed to be verified, there was a protest against it, and they needed to verify it, so then how would they know who these signatures are from in order to verify? See, if you know who these people are, so you can find people who recognize them and say, do you know these people? Are they, are they reliable? Yes. Or you could find them themselves and ask them, did you sign this? But if it just is an iploni chasamti aid, so then what they needed to do was, pull out the files of Besdin, the stacks and stacks of documents, and try to co find a common signature, meaning a common handwriting. Oh, look, we found it there, and this other document was validated, so we could also use this as a validated document. But that takes a very long time, and it's possible there's no other documents that validate such a thing. So, <laughs> if originally there was the capacity to find this handwriting from a different document, kosher, so then this document is getting questioned, would be validated, but if not, there was no other way to validate it. So on this, Amr Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Gamliel said, there was a great establishment made, that in order to ease the process of validation, if there's some protest, they should actually that elucidate their names, write their names more clearly, so we know who they are. Do they say where they're from? I mean, what, what yeah, no, let them say their names, meaning instead of oh, just writing, Ani Ploni Chasamti Aid. They actually wrote, they actually wrote Ploni. Oh, thought, yeah, oh, meaning all you had to know is that there were two witnesses on it. Oh, you didn't even oh, have to know who it was. Just, oh. That's me, Dairaisa, Midrabbana. They said, no, write your names, because then we know who your buddies are, and your buddies know who you are. Or we actually know who you are, we can ask you, did you write this? It makes the process of validation for the Beisdin much more significant. Rashi explains, actually, originally, in order to validate it, they had to find a document that matched the handwriting. Yeah, 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 it's the implication. Yeah, yeah. Well, the point is, all you needed were Aiden that were signed. It didn't actually have to be anyone that we could identify. You just need Aiden Chasima. These are Aiden Chasima. The point, um, the point is, is that Rashi says beforehand, they had to find a document that had been challenged in court and revalidated, and then you can validate the second document they with that. Very 
Odds are very small. So this made it easier to validate. Fine. Asks the Gemara, from all of this, Sugya, the implication is that in order for a document to be val- uh, acceptable, the witnesses actually have to write their name outright. I Meaning it has to be that their name is written properly. Is it not enough to just write a sign, to write a uh, symbolism? Right, we're going to show in a moment that there were symbols certain rabbis used to write. They wouldn't even write their name properly, and these symbols would reflect them. So the one says, from here it's mashma, you have to write your name. Uva simna Are you not allowed to write a simin, a sign, a symbol? Vaha Rav Kavra. Rav, instead of signing, he would r- draw fish. His Does symbol. Oh, oh, so let's see. So the Gemara doesn't know that yet. The Rabbi Hanina Harusa. Rabbi Hanina used to draw a branch of a tree, palm tree. Rav Chizda Samach. Rav Chizda would draw Samach, the letter. Rav Hoshaya Ayin. He would draw an Ayin. Rav Barav Huna Tsair Makusa. Rav Barav Huna would draw the mast of a ship. But the point is, you see, they weren't drawing their names. They weren't writing their names properly. So the more answer, Shani Rabban and and Simnayu. Rabbis were different because everybody knew their signs, their symbols. So everybody knew who this person was if they saw that symbol. So the Gemara says, one second, but you got a technical issue because originally, how did they get that out? means the only way people would know that it's their signs is if they've already publicized this as their signs. So originally, it's like the chicken or the egg. How did they know in the first place? How did people know that this was their sign? They must have started signing with that. But how could they start signing with that if nobody knows who it was? So the answer is Bidiski, no problem. That they originally signed it in documents that it didn't really make that much of it. wasn't halachically. It was Diski. Diski are Shilas Achuvas, meaning people will write them letters, halachic response, things of that nature. So they started to they started to sign with these symbols in things that weren't halachically binding like Gitin. And once people figured out that this was their signatures, they were able to write that into Gitin as well. I hear, I hear. That's not what the Gemara says, but it could be. I hear, I hear that too. Yeah. I think today, what, what's the law? And if you're in court and people need to sign, they don't know how to sign their names. They can make an X or something. There's like you could draw. There's such a concept. Yeah, there definitely is a concept. I mean, I grew up. I mean, I met two or three people in my life that were illiterate. Illiterate. Elderly black people. Right. So it's hard to find today. Yeah. When I grew up, I mean, I just have to say. Maybe just make an X or a yeah, line or something. Right. I mean, because it has to, again, it's like an Iplone Chasamti 8. It's just like saying, this occurred, basically. Right. 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 All right, let's move on now. The second section of the day is very interesting sugi here. We have this sec- a last takana of our Mishnah that we had back on uh, Lamed Daladam and Bez. Hillel Hiskin Prusbol. We said Hillel established a Prusbol. Now, what is the concept of Prusbol? So, in general, it's understood like this. Prusbol is the fact that the Torah says, if Shemitah hits and I haven't collected my debt that you owe me, loigos, I'm not allowed to approach you to collect that debt anymore. It's also for me to collect the debt that Shemitah has nullified, has canceled out. So Hillel, as we're about to see, saw that there was an issue because the issue was that people wouldn't lend money. It would be the sixth year. And then the borrower, some poor guy, would come over to a rich lender, and he'd say, look, I need a loan. And the guy would say, I got a problem. How am I going to lend you money with the understanding that it's likely that you're not going to pay me back, and then the loan's going to get canceled out? So people refrain from lending money. So he created a document, and essentially, what does this document do? It transfers the ability to collect from the lender to the Bayesden. Now, 
It's only loigos that the lender can't collect after Shemitah. But Beisdin does have the ability to collect after Shemitah. The, so in doing so, this was a Tikkun Olam, because now lenders were free to lend. They didn't have any concerns in lending before Shemitah. So they'd collect it after. I mean, oh, so now we're going to get into the, this really what emerges is Hillel in a certain way is overriding the Torah, which is a Chiddush. So we're going to get into this now, two Shemitahs. Let's see. So Tanan, our Mishnah, the Mishnah Mesecha Shviyas highlights the backstory to this. Tanan Hassan. Prozbol eno mishamit. When a person writes a prozbol, the loan is not going to be canceled out because of Shemitah. Ze'echad min hadvarim shehiskin Hillel hazakin. This is one of the matters that Hillel hazakin established. Why? Because he saw that the people were refraining from lending money to each other. But they were transgressing what the Torah says. In Sefer Devarim it says, Be careful that you don't have something in your hearts that's against the Torah, that's throwing off the yoke, meaning that you're going to refrain from lending money when a Jew comes to borrow money from you. So Ahmad, he saw that this was an issue, that they were refraining. The Hiskin prosbol, so he established a prosbol. The prosbol. This is the language of the prosbol, which is Mosreni lachem pleni dayanin. I place in front of you the pleni, whatever your names are, the judges. from a certain place. Any money that I'm owed by this person, I'll be able to collect it as long as I want. That was the text of the prosbol. I'll be allowed to collect it after Shemitah. And the Mishnah finishes off, the judges or the witnesses could sign below. Fine. Ask the Gemara one second. What you're telling me is, on a Da'iraisa level, Shemitah will wipe out the loan, which means the borrower no longer owes money on a Da'araisa level. Shemitah cancels out the debt. And Hillel can make a rabbinic enactment that it does not cancel out the loan, meaning what ends up happening now is on a Da'araisa level, the borrower doesn't have to pay back. Comes along Hillel and he says the borrower does have to pay back. He's uprooting something that's midairaisa. How could it be possibly that Hillel could establish something that overrides Torah law? Torah says the borrower does not have to, and he's establishing well, a document the that the Torah does. does okay, so you're, it's, it's using a halachic loophole. I hear that. But the bottom line is, is that it ends up happening is he seems to be overriding Torah law. Taisu takes it a step further. That's how Rashi explains. Taisa takes it a step further. Taisa says that uh, Hillel shouldn't have established something that ultimately will result in a bittle of something dairaisa. Meaning, ultimately, what seems to be happening here is the Torah says, Shemitah cancels out debts. And Hillel is coming along and making an enactment that makes it, Hillel, Shemitah does not cancel out debts. How do we understand the reality of that, that Hillel can create an enactment that seems to override something that's a, a basic uh, principle in, in Torah law? So Gemara is going to give two terutsim to understand this exactly. So Amar Abayi is the first terutz. Now really this is going to be t- contingent on a machlaikis, Rebbe and the Rabbanan. So Abayi is the first terutz, and Abayi is going to say like this. Rebbe's opinion is Shemitah, Bismanazeh, Meaning the idea of Shemitah canceling out debts today is not Dairaisa. It's only Midrabanan. So since it's only Midrabanan, that why, means, why we'll see in a moment why that is, but because of that, it's only rabbinically that the Shemitah cancels out loans, so the Rabbanan can come after. 
and say because of Tikkun Olam, it won't cancel out the loans. Let's see. So Abai is the first terrorist. The, Rab- the, the Rabbanan argue on Revi, by the way, and they say that Shemitah is not as as Dairaisa. So Rava will answer even according to the Rabbanan. But Re- Abai goes with Revi's opinion first. Amar Hillel established his Takana that there's a concept of Prusbal to override Shemitah is regarding Shemitah Bizman which is after the Chorban, the Rebbe, and it's the opinion of Rebbe. And I just want to point out, Rashi does point this out. Hillel existed by Sheni. So Hillel existed at a time when there was certainly a Beis Hamikdash. However, Rashi says that even in Bayez Sheni, there wasn't a concept of Yovel anymore. And as we're about to see, the Shemitah that cancels out Kesef, debts, is contingent on the Yovel system. So therefore, what Rebbe's opinion was... What's that? Yeah, so, th- no. so there was no Yovel, there's no Shemitah to cancel out debts either. The Rebbe, the Tanya, as the Brisa teaches, Rebbe Yoimer, Vezed Dvar Shemitah Shamot. So the Pasuk tells us regarding Shemitah, this is the matter of Shemitah Shamot. It cancels out debts. Now it uses a double lashon of Shemitah. So B'Shtei Shemitah is a custom medaber. It's regarding two cancellations that the Torah is talking. Achas Shemitah's Karka. One of them was a uh, cancellation of Karka. Meaning that when Shemitah, when there was a concept of Kedusha Sa'aretz, that there was also a uh, scenario that ha- there was Kedusha in the land, and therefore Yovel was applicable, and the other was a Shemitah of the money. And the Pasuk is comparing the two. So when there is a concept of Kedusha Sa'aretz, there's holiness in the land, and Yovel is applicable, so then there would also be a cancellation of debts through Shemitah. But when there's no Kedusha in the land, causing the land to be holy during the Yovel year, and return or be cancelled out, so you can't you, you don't have a concept on a Dairaisa level of a cancellation of debts. So therefore on a Dairaisa level, Hillel during Hillel's days as Rashi learns over here, there wasn't a ca- concept of cancellation of debts. Turning to Amitvahumabes now. However, and if you take a step further, the rabbi still made it that there would be a cancellation of debts during Shemitah, but that was only rabbinic, which is a zecher l'shviyas, a remembrance of Shemitah. So we shouldn't forget the halacha of Shemitah. They said rabbinically it'll cancel out debts. But the problem was Hillel saw, because now that there's this rabbinic Shemitah that cancels out debts, ra Hillel shenimnu So Hillel saw <coughs> the people stopped lending money to each other. So he got up and he established the principle of Prusbal, so they'd continue to lend money to each other even before Shemitah. But we've answered the problem, which is, since Rebbe holds Bismanazet's only Drabbanan, so Hillel can establish Prusbal, which overrides a Drabbanan, and Shemitah won't cancel out the money so that's owed. According to this Teretz, you'd have to say that sh- the, the concept of Prusbal will be negated. That's that's Lachar you have to say. Asks the Gemara, Now we go. The Gemara goes the other angle. Omikamidi is it possible that there's a thing that on a deraisa level shvita does not cancel out the debts. And the rabbis, after there was no shmita deraisa, can make it that shmita does cancel out the debts. Rashi, the way he phrases the question is, the rabbis are making the borrowers into gazlonim. Into thieves. How are they making them into thieves? Because on a Dairaisa level, they still owe money. There's no Dairaisa Shemitah that cancels out the debts. And what's going on now? 
they, the, the rabbis are saying, don't pay back the money because Shemitah rabbinically makes you not responsible to pay back. How could the rabbis do that? So the Gemara gives, Amr um, Rabbi, Abai answers, it's really within his own train of thought. So Abai says, Sheval Tasahu. The rabbis are allowed to. Where there's a requirement to make some sort of an enactment, the rabbis are able to say, Sheval Tasa, sit back and don't do anything proactive. So the rabbis can say, don't pay back. It's not a proactive Isser that you're doing. It's a passive Isser that you're doing. What Meaning, you, you really should have to pay back because Shemitah didn't cancel out the debt on, on a Dairaisa level. We are allowed to say, sit back and don't pay. And rabbinically, that is an acceptable thing to do. This is all in the first teretz um, of Abaye, which is to say that Shemitah is Midrav Banan. The rabbis are able to say rabbinically that the the borrowers <coughs> can uh, step back from the in, lack of require the, the requirement to pay on a rabbinic level. Shemitah would cancel it out, and on that hill established prusbol that it shouldn't cancel it out because people refrain from borrowing. Now, Rav, um, Rav is a second explanation just to explain how it's possible for the rabbis to, um, one second, yeah. Sorry, Ravas has a second explanation to explain, one second. Yeah, another answer to understand how it was possible for Hillel to establish such a takana. So really he's answering the original question. So Rava, um, Ravas has a second answer. Hefker Bezdin Haya Hefker. Rava says that there's a concept of Hefker Bezdin Hefker. So what's the concept of Hefker Bezdin Hefker? That the rabbis have the ability to essentially transfer ownership of property to whoever they want, whoever they see fit. So Rashi explains over here, Rava's answering the original question. This could even be, this Takana of Hillel can even be in the Rabbanan's opinion. It's not only like Rebbe who holds that uh, Shemitah, today is the Rabbanan. But even according to the rabbis who say Shemitah today is Dairaisa, Hillel can still override that Shemitah, causing the loans to transfer through Shemitah and not be canceled out. Why is that? Because the rabbis were imbued, we'll see in a moment, the Sanhedrin, or the leaders were imbued with power of Hefker Bezdin Hefker. So even if on a Dairaisa level the loan is canceled out, the rabbis can make it continue. Where do we find that there's a concept of Hefker Bezdin Hefker? That essentially the rabbis own the property of the Jews to transfer it from Whoever, to whoever they see fit. Shenemar, because the Pasuk tells us in Ezra, Ezra said, declaration to the people, anyone that does not arrive within three days, like the advice of the officers and elders, all of his property will be destroyed, or, or separate, or uh, revoked, removed, and he will be separated from the congregation of the diaspora. It means you see the rabbis had the ability, or the leaders, the Sanhedrin, to essentially revoke property rights and give it to whoever they see fit. So therefore, even if on a derisa level the loan should be canceled out, Hill could establish prusbol <coughs> to override that. He said there's another source in Tanakh, in Sefer Yoshua, that shows that there's this concept of Hefker Bezdin Hefker. It says, When they divided up the land, it says these were the inheritance that were divided up by Elazar HaKohen, Elazar the son of Aharon, Yeshua Benun the leader, and the Rashi HaAvos, the heads of the 
fathers. Really, it should have said the heads of the tribes. Why does it say the heads of the fathers? To tell you, <coughs> just as fathers bequeath to their children whatever they want, so the heads act as fathers in a certain way that they can bequeath over to the nation however they want, meaning there's the concept of taking property from one, giving to another, that was by dividing the land, but it would be the same thing even if on a Daraisa level the loan is cancelled because of Shemitah, they could remove it and give it to whomever they want. Okay, bottom line, we have had two answers, how Hill can establish this. Let's continue on now to an interesting Shailas. Where now says Iboilahu? Shaila. <clears throat> Shaila the Gemara is about to pose as follows. Hillel established this idea of principle because he saw people in his generation weren't lending money because they were concerned they wouldn't get the money back. The question is, was this an establishment he made just for his generation because they were lacking in a certain way? Or was it an establishment he made that he wanted to continue for posterity's sake? So we'll see in a moment. The nafkamina. Yibaylu. The Gemara says the following: Shaila. Kihiskin Hillel. What's that? So let's see. Let's see. Meaning, because generally, if they would make a takana even for the generation, it would continue on, generally. unless revoked. So let's see. Yibaylu. Kihiskin Hillel Prusbol. When Hillel established the concept of Prusbol to extend loans beyond Shmita, ledarehu dehistakin. Did he only establish it for his generation, his immediate generation, because they were lacking? He also established it for future generations. What's the nafkamina between these options? The capacity for a later court to nullify it. If you say that it was only established for his generation, so then we could nullify it, meaning we'd be able to nullify this at a later point because he had only established it for right. his generation. But if his intention was that it should be extended for future generations as well, we have a principle in Psak that a later court cannot nullify an earlier court unless it's greater in wisdom and number. And there's not going to be a court that's greater than Hillel's court. So therefore you would not be able to revoke this principle of uh, Prusbol, if it was meant to be for future generations. So my Sigmar says, well, what, which one was it? Sigmar brings two rayas to try to prove. Tashma, let's see. Tashma, Sigmar brings a raya. The Amar Shmuel, Shmuel made the following declaration. He said, like Hasfina and Prusbol, ele ibebeidina de sura, ibebeidina de narda. It's not allowed to be written. The Prusbol cannot be written unless it's in the court of Rav, which is in Sura, or the court of Shmuel, which is in Naharda. Now the Gemara assumes, what do you mean? That means no, no other courts are allowed to write Prusbol. The Isal Kadaita Fladari Alma But if you say that Hillel's establishment was for future generations as well, so Bishard Beidina Nami so then other courts should be allowed to as well. It must be, it was only made for his own generation, and those that are equivalent to him, or I guess leaders of the generation, like Rav and Shmuel, took on that capacity. So you have a riot, it was only for his generation. He refutes this and says, Dilma, perhaps, Kitakin Alma. Really, it was for future generations as well. But why was it not meant for other courts? But the, the Takana was, Kegon Beidina Didei, like his own court, or like Ravami Ravasi, the Ilmi that are powerful, Alimi that are powerful courts, that they're allowed to. Uh, um, 
remove money, that they can take money out from some one person to give to another. But maybe the takana wasn't made for general courts. Meaning maybe really it was for future generations, but it was only made for courts that are like Hillel, that have a certain level of strength, and therefore you haven't proven your point. So Tashma, let's bring a second proof. Shmuel. Shmuel also said, Ha prusbala, a prusbal, ulbana dedainihu. Now this word ulbana, we're going to analyze at the end of the sugya today, but it's the ulbana of the judges. Let's learn literally, which means the audacity of the judges. It's a chutzpah. Why is it a chutzpah? Because you're taking money from somebody that you shouldn't be taking money from. So the Gemara says, Iyashir Chayil, Shmuel concluded, if I could garner the strength of Atzaline, I would have nullified the concept of Prusbal. And the Gemara analyzes that. Avatzline, what do you mean I would have I would have uh, been Revatal Prusbal? Vahain Bayzin Yachal Avatal Divri Bazin Khabero, Elim Ken Godly Mana Bachmabinyan. You can't cancel out a prior court's uh, Sack, unless you're greater in Chachmo of a minion. So the Gemara says it must be. It was only for his generation. That's why Shmuel says he would have canceled it out. So the Gemara says, no, that's not a raya either. Because this is what Shmuel is really saying. If I would have garnered strength, more than Hillel, means he was saying wistfully, essentially. If I would have had a greater court, really it could be it was for future generations. If I would have had a greater court, I would have nullified it because of how much I disapprove of it ultimately. It's such a chutzpah. They take from one person money that they shouldn't really be doing. That's what he meant to be saying, but not to say that it was only for Hillel's generation. Now, the, the Gemara brings another Shita who argues on the importance of uh, Prozbal. For Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman says, Akaimena, I would have actually established that, I would fortify it. It means I actually agree with Prozbal, it's a great idea. Akaimena, so the Gemara says, what do you mean you would have fortified it, you would have accepted it? It's already acceptable. So the Gemara says, this is what Rav Nachman means to say, I would have added to it. Means I would have made an extension of this takana. Even if the lender hadn't written a document of prusbol, dami. I see how valuable the prusbol is. I would have made it as if it's written, even if it hadn't be written, been written, because of the importance of prusbol. Let's just finish up here. Last point. Iboilus. The Gemara says. Let's. The Gemara is the following Shaila in what Shmuel said. When he said that prosbol is a ulbana dedaini, is that a language of chutzpah? It's audacity. Now they're taking money inappropriately. What? I never heard that either. Or is it a language of convenience? Meaning, is, he, is, is Shmuel saying that it's essentially a chutzpah because they're taking money inappropriately? Or they're just making their lives easier because if they didn't have prosbol, everybody would be collecting debts before Shemitah, creating an issue for the courts. Which of these is the proper language that Shmuel used to, means to be using? So brings a raya, tashmada, amar ula, aluva kalash azinta bekerev chupasa. Disgraced or uh, audacious. Audacious? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, chutzpah is the kala that is mezana inside of the chuppah, during the chuppah. Rashi explains it's talking about the Jews at Harsinai, is that they just had made a treaty with Hashem, like a kala and a chuppah, and already they're doing the egel azab. You see clearly the word aluva is a lashon of chutzpah. Amar Rav Mari brought the Bas Shmuel. Rav Mari, who was the son of the daughter of Shmuel, uh, said, Micro, what's the source in the Pesukim for this principle? This concept that they sinned under the, during the with the Egel Azav, it was like a kala mitochu pasa. And the Pasuk says in Shirashirim, Atsha Melech b'Mesiba, while the king was still at his Seuda's party, Nirdi Nasan Recho, the uh, smell has stopped giving its 
the, the pleasant aroma has stopped producing its smell. So it has lost its good smell. So that's the idea, is that the relationship they had forged with Hashem had lost its luster. Amarav, Rav says, that Hashem's love is still on us, because it says, Nasan. it says, the smell has stopped producing its good aroma. But like Siv Hisriach, but it doesn't say it stunk. Meaning, there still was a relationship there. Tan Rabban and the Gemara finishes off with a beautiful brysa. Ha-ne'elavin ve'inan olvin. on this concept of ne'elavin. One who is disgraced by others, but he doesn't turn around and disgrace them in turn. Shoymen cherpasan ve'in me'shivin. He hears others disgrace him and he does not respond. Oysin me'ahava. He works, he serves Hashem. From Ahavas Hashem, love of Hashem, but not for reward. Vismechem be Yisurin, and he rejoices in suffering. He recognizes the the importance of it. Alein Akasuvaimer about them. The pasuk says in Shoftim, Ve'ayhavav Kitzes Hashemish Begevuraso. Hashem's loved ones will emerge like the sun in its splendor and its strength. So such a person also is going to get great reward in the world to come. This Gemara in Adarim actually highlights this as well. What they're going to get in the next world, like the sun emerging with its might. It's a bracha. Okay, we'll stop here at the bottom of Lam Vav Mabez. Bez Hashem will pick up tomorrow with Daf Lam and Zion. Everybody have a great day.